0: Let's play a quick game of Name That Tune. Ready? All right, name this song. When I was younger, so much than today, I now most of you probably know that's Help by The Beatles. Now try this one. Not quite as famous a song, but that's Get Up Off Of That Thing by James Brown. Now the Beatles song you identified by the melody. The melody is the heart of this tune. But the James Brown song is identifiable not so much by the melody as by the rhythm. There actually isn't a lot of melody here. James Brown is kind of rapping the words rather than singing them. This song is all about the groove. This is one of the major differences between the Western tradition of music and the African tradition. Western music is primarily about melody. African music is primarily about rhythm. We can still clearly hear this history in modern African-American music, like hip-hop. Western laws, our laws, inherited this emphasis on melody, which is what copyright law has traditionally focused on. In effect, this legal bias may have stacked the deck in favor of white artists. But some argue that this has changed in recent years. In 2015, the estate of Marvin Gaye claimed a popular song was too similar to one of theirs. The song in question was Blurred Lines, performed by Robin Thicke, written and produced by Pharrell Williams. If you can't the Gay estate thought it was too much like Marvin Gaye's Got to Give It Up. Melodically, there isn't much in common between these two songs, but the rhythm, the groove, is unmistakably similar. This was a divisive case. Plenty of people thought Blurred Lines was infringing, and plenty thought it wasn't. But our next guest considers the case a win for the African-American music tradition and African-Americans because it acknowledges the importance of the groove. Latif Matima will share his perspective on this case and also discuss more broadly how copyright laws impact social justice issues. Latif is a professor of law at the Howard University School of Law, and he is the founder and director of the Institute for Intellectual Property and Social Justice. Latif, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks very much, Kirby. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: So I talked about Blurred Lines in the opening, and this was a divisive case. Plenty of people thought it was infringing. Plenty of people thought it wasn't infringing. Why was the Blurred Lines case a victory for African-American culture?
1: Well, you know, as you know, copyright protects the creative elements of an expressive work, but copyright itself does not decide what is a creative element or a creative contribution. That properly left to experts in the field of music. Unfortunately, if the experts in the field of music all come from the same background, it means that those groups, well they're going to start a disadvantage in the assessment process. And of course, much uh, African American music a great deal of the uh, creative elements in those works do show up in areas such as rhythm and and percussion right and this is a disadvantage that is not a part of the copyright law this case was particularly important for the African American and, and similarly situated uh, communities because this was the first time that we were able to bring in music experts who were trained in a broader array of musical backgrounds. This time, we have people coming in who are able to point out where you find creativity in the rhythmic aspects of the work. And these are creative elements that traditionally have not at all been accounted for in the typical musicologist expert analysis.
0: Right. So part of the issue is being music literate. If you can write music, that's the Western tradition, you know, going back to Beethoven and Mozart. So is it fair to say that an important part of the bias is is towards the score, towards what is written on the page?
1: Absolutely. In fact, one of the issues that was at the center of the blurred lines case was what could the experts legitimately look to? as the example of Marvin Gaye's got to give it up work. Now, because Marvin Gaye was not literate in music notation, he did not score his work. He basically created it in the studio. A common practice in the industry at that time stemmed from the fact that the Copyright Office had a policy that they would only accept scored notation as the copyright deposit of a musical work. Mm-hmm. So what many record companies did, when they had an artist like Marvin Gaye who couldn't score his music, they would have people on staff who would listen to the recording that Marvin Gaye would uh, produce, and they would sketch out a very limited, what was called a lead sheet, just sort of what they thought were the main Melodies um, in the work, and that's what ended up being deposited with the with the Copyright Office. You look only to this very limited lead sheet, and anything that is not on the lead sheet should not be included in the assessment of Marvin Gaye's work. You see what the problem is, right? So there's yes. a whole lot of creative elements that Marvin Gaye created in the studio. It is no question; it is a part of his original work. Mm-hmm. But because Never made it to the lead sheet, now it gets excluded from the copyright originality analysis.
0: What is the connection between copyright and Black Lives Matter? It's interesting that those two things can connect, because copyright, I think of books and movies and, and music and how you can access them and how you can use those works. Black Lives Matter is a social movement. How do those two worlds overlap?
1: You know, one of the most important functions of copyright is to provide people with information and knowledge that they can use to educate themselves, but then also to use those same materials to express themselves and to share ideas and to share information. Mm -hmm. So when you take something like the Black Lives Matter movement, so much of that movement was dependent upon the ability of ordinary citizens to identify and to locate Copyrighted material, for example, a photograph, or videotape of a particular unfortunate incident, and to be able to immediately share those photographs and to share those video clips and other material, as we know that today, more than ever, you know, a video clip can be worth a thousand words. Yep. And when copyright can be misused to prevent people from being able to share those images because the photograph is copyrighted well that obviously would be defeating the purpose of what copyright is is all about mm-hmm. so by virtue of the fact that we have doctrines like uh, the fair use doctrine that allows people to make use of copyrighted material for important purposes to society that's where there is the intersection between the goals of copyright and the social justice goals of something like the Black Lives Matter movement, the information, the knowledge, the ideas that people would like to share and that they would like to express can be done most effectively by sharing copyrighted material with others throughout the community and throughout the world. And the the fact that we have a strong tradition of fair use in our society is what enabled movements like Black Lives Matter to prosper.
0: So how did you end up in the world of copyright? What issues did you see and and what were you hoping to achieve?
1: I felt that if you look at what copyright law is all about, its purpose is to promote the learning and development of people in our society, that if there are conditions of social inequity or injustice that are actually impeding the role of copyright, that are preventing people from having access to knowledge and information, Mm -hmm. that are preventing people from entering into the copyright process and creating new works and sharing those works. These are actual copyright deficiencies. These are examples of circumstance in which the role of copyright is being socially frustrated. Mm -hmm. And if copyright is being socially frustrated, you have to look to copyright law and policy and doctrine to best correct the problem. If you look at the basis of copyright law in the United States, it is of course found in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution that specifically says that the purpose Of copyright law is to promote the progress of the arts and sciences and if there are persistent social conditions that impede that then it means you've got a copyright problem and you have to revisit the copyright law to figure out well how do we how do we address these issues and if there are people that are not making their copyright contribution if they aren't receiving their copyright access that shows a deficiency and flaw in our copyright system. And we need to correct that for the sake of the copyright system itself.
0: Fantastic. Latif. thank you so much for coming on and talking about your work.
1: Well, thank you. This was a wonderful opportunity. And um, I look forward not only to this, but to enjoying many of the podcasts that you have done in this fantastic series.
0: Thanks so much, Latif. Thank you. That's it for our latest episode. We will see you next time.